Howdy! It's the Something Something Experience Podcast, episode 36. I'm Michael John Simpson. I am happy and excited to announce that longtime bestie of the podcast, Kitty Brown, is now the official co-host of Something 2 XP. Her inquisitive nature, passion, and ultra-badass form of nerdery is the perfect fit for this dog and pony show, and I couldn't be happier. Welcome aboard, Kitty Brown! Our guest this week is social worker and LGBTQ activist Chris Murphy. We had so much to talk to Chris about. Social work, LGBTQ activism, positive change and representation in the media, acceptable questions, trans people in the media, validating all experiences, self-validation and love, the journey of transition, dating, what is quote-unquote normal, perception changes, men's versus women's rooms, the code, pronouns, positivity, being a good ally, making room in your life, finding a support system, teen line online, LGBTQ teen outreach, Gamergate, gender versus sexuality, intersectionality, unicorns, social constructs, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, clothing choices, and picking your battles. Representation is everything. Here's episode 36 of the Something Something Experience. So, okay, how's everybody's Memorial Day weekend going? Excellent. Excellent, good. Chris, good. yours, yeah. Good. I've been so busy doing the, the stair rail. Kitty, shush. You're not on the podcast. Did we already have one kitty on the podcast? <laughs> that um, can be only one. That can be only one. <laughs> kitty, she will she will make you fight. She will. <laughs> um so I um been working on this stair railing project of pulling the stair rails down, stripping them. We spent eight hours stripping them yesterday, and then we they're outside hanging and being painted, spray painted, and it's just been I'm just sore and my hands are all dried and worn out and but it's all for the good of everything. I'm glad this is a three-day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, Chris, uh, tell us about yourself. Um, you said uh, to me a little earlier that you are, um, you're a, a, a counselor, a, a, a social worker. Social worker. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I was really lucky. Um, basically, how I came to realized that I'm a social worker is that there were a lot of different challenges that happened in my life mm-hmm. and constantly was in positions where people in power failed me or systems failed me. And so I came to understand social work about being different, being about different hats. So mm-hmm. someone like a social worker can advocate on behalf of, you know, clients, patients, um, they can be therapists, they can be counselors, they can, like, there's just so many different things you can do with it. But um, I wasn't sure about social work too much because from what I knew of it, for example, um, May 9th, 2001, I entered foster care and I had probably some of the worst social workers possible. So, I mean, that was like my first interaction with social work and I was like, yeah, no. There was one social worker that I had with the county who was great and... Um, she actually ended up told like telling me you're going to be a social worker, and I just sort of laughed like, yeah, okay, no, because <laughs> um, like most folks, I mean, you tend to think of the baby snatchers, and it's certainly what we see in the media. Um, and I was like, no, I'm not about that. But fast forward, um, went to Cal State LA, got my bachelor's in social work, went to USC, got my master's in social work last year. 
um, and found that there is a whole space where social workers can be in non-traditional environments, and mm. I'm all about that. Nice. So you can be like in macro and micro positions where you're either working one-on-one with people, but then you can also, again, you can go and lobby and do all these different things. There's just there's so much you can do with it. We can be in banks. We can be anywhere, especially like where there's people in conflict. Cool. So I love it, and I love that you know because like psychology, the other ones. I mean, those are still cool, but. You're limited in what you can do. Mm-hmm. But social work is really more of a generalist thing, and I've just grown to love it. Cool. So, so. what are some ways that uh, social workers can help people that, you know, like your average person wouldn't even think of? A lot. Um, we learn so much. We borrow from other professions, absolutely. Some of the things that I've really taken with me, again, comes back to just being able to uh, advocate on behalf of other folks. Um helping them to, for example, um, you know, like learn how to tell their story because there's elements in what makes a good story. There's a certain thing you have to follow. Um, so that way when they're sharing their stories and you hear the values coming out of their stories, you can help organize them to bring positive change to their own community mm-hmm. so I can empower people. Awesome. There's a lot of different yeah. things I can do because I'm, I'm not going to do the work for you, you know? <laughs> That's not going to help, you know? But if I can teach you how to do something, you know, and, and spark that interest in you, yeah. that's going to be, f- you know, so much better. So being inspirational, basically. Yeah. You're just kind of being an inspiration to people. And that's great. Yeah, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. And I would imagine because of your story you're able to inspire people on multiple levels. I mean, in, in, in all different everything. I mean, <laughs> I don't I hate to say categories, but in, you know what I mean? Just in all different facets of human experience. What's, what's most surprising to me is that even though I've been doing a lot of work in the community, especially for, you know, LGBTQ, alphabet soup, queer community, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, right? I like alphabet soup. That's How many letters are food. in there now? I mean, there's a lot. Exactly. You know, and I, I want to be inclusive. Um, so, but for me, what's fascinating is, is that even though there's been so many things I've done on like a larger scale, be it um, going in doing public speaking, organizing events, be it conferences, whatever, you know, being out in the streets with, you know, no one prop eight, all that. Um, By far, the thing that's inspired people most, and I only know this because every now and then someone will come to me and tell me so, is just being authentic, just even living my life. Right. Just seeing, wow, you know, there's someone out there who can identify as genderqueer, as trans, and and be happy, be healthy. I mean, ab- absolutely, I went through things. But to see that I was able to get through it, um, and that was just part of my story. I needed to go through certain challenges. But just to see where I'm at now and that I'm able to take something and be inspired by all those challenges and do something with it, it just it inspires them. Mm-hmm. That's, so that's exciting. Amazing. That's, that's the exciting. best. Yeah, that's like the best thing that, that could happen. To me, that's a huge compliment. Mm-hmm. So That's great. Yeah, I, I was... Um... We were talking uh, before you got here, Kitty, and, and talking about how it seems like in the in the media, there's in America in the last year or two, there's been more, just more representation, yeah, kind of creeping, and especially lately, like Mad Max, we talked about mm-hmm. last week about representing women better in things, right, right. and and I'm starting to notice more uh, LGBTQ, gender queer, mm-hmm. trans people representation. Yeah in media and things more than just 
what we've seen traditionally right. along the way, well, which is good. You know, I love, like I said, I loves me some RuPaul Drag Race, but that's <laughs> not, that's only one small facet of the whole, you know, Alphabet Soup Rainbow. Right, right, right absolutely. By the way, Alphabet Soup Rainbow playing the side stage at Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really um, encouraging to see that representation is, you know, like getting better across the board like we were just talking about Diego Luna being cast in uh, one of the new Star Wars films like that's great for Latino representation yeah you know you're saying LGBTQA representation like it really feels like we're making a lot of progress and, we are you know, that's great for you know activists and people like me who love you know media and pop culture and nerd culture and everything like that like it's yeah. you know really refreshing to see like characters who share some of like my life experiences, like, as a woman, as, you know, someone who's bisexual, like, you know, all this other stuff, as yeah. someone who's Latina. Right, right. So, yeah. Yeah, because I, you know, I'm, I'm one of the, I'm one of the, the, the rare, or I don't know how rare, but I'm one of a smaller section of, of cis, straight, white males who's just had enough of cis, straight, white males in media. <laughs> There's so much more to be seen and so mm-hmm. much more to be experienced. Yeah. And, and... Why can't everybody just across the board have more representation? And I think I think yeah. definitely think Mad Max was a good a good you know charge in the right direction. Oh, for sure. Like um, one of my friends was telling me that he was at a birthday party that was like a cosplay birthday party, and there was a dude cosplaying Furiosa. Mm. Like no big deal. <laughs> Not like oh Sweet. rule thirty four gender swap Furiosa. No, he was just Furiosa. Boom! I'm Furiosa. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Fucking that's awesome. fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting for me. I mean, even to see trans women of color oh, that yeah. are able to share their stories, like sure. Anna Mock, Laverne Cox. Like, yes, yes, I yes, didn't yes, even yes, know yes. if I would see that in my lifetime. Right. So, right. you know, as someone who is perceived to be a cis white male, perhaps even gay sometimes, people will get that. It's fun for me. Um, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm confusing them, I'm doing my job. But, um, making them think, making you, them think. You know, totally. But for me, that's really exciting because to me, I mean, that that really could have come years and years later. But I know that there's folks that are even right now still not happy because it can always be better, it can always be different. But mm-hmm. for me, I can see, and you know, we were talking about this a little bit before the, the podcast started, but... Um, I see the bigger picture, mm-hmm, and I understand mm-hmm. that sometimes we have to work with the stereotypes until people can get comfortable with that, mm-hmm. and then we can mm-hmm. start telling the stories. And of course, there's going to be people be people who do relate. To it the stereotypes. all it always yeah. starts with wacky but people on daytime start... TV, but then it <laughs> blossoms out from there. You you you, it's the foot in the door. Yeah, yeah. it may not be the best way to start it, but right. it's, it gets the conversation going. It gets the exposure and the representation happening, and it's it's just a little small part, little piece. And the more we see, the more it goes, and it, it, it really has taken off. And so and it's good. to and what was fascinating is I was finally able to watch Super Soul Sunday with Oprah and Janet Mock and um, it was just so well done Mm -hmm. and one of the things that really stood out to me was Oprah said you know even a few years ago my producers would have been you know in my ear saying ask about the penis ask about the penis all these things you know and that happens that definitely happens because you know one of the first things that usually happens when someone you know identifies as trans or something and they come out is instead of people coming from a place of support and saying wow you know Mm -hmm. like thank you that it's an honor that you're telling me this or um or you know how can I support you or what pronouns should I be using what name should I be Mm -hmm. using all that kind of stuff right 
it goes, oh, you're going to have the surgery, and there's usually quotes with it, right? <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. you know, and then that just happens, and it, it's hard because more often than not, when someone's sharing their story, they want the support. Right. But mm-hmm. then people are like, oh, this is great. I know a trans person, and this is great. And then I get to ask them Checklist done, no. Right? It's like- and it's like, no, actually, like, this person is probably needing support from you. Like, right. you have to really gauge your relationship before sure. you start asking personal sure, questions. Sure, sure, like sure. Yeah, it's like I... I was asking you what we were comfortable talking about on the mm-hmm. podcast and asking mm-hmm. you if, uh, how, to what degree you're comfortable talking with about your story. And and I don't ever ask anybody what's under their clothes and I don't ever ask anybody what's in their bedroom well, unless I'm interested in exactly. becoming part of that. So right. it's like, like totally. why do you care unless it, you're banging it, the person? Why like, does it, it matter? It literally <laughs> does not matter to me right, unless right. like I'm about to hop into bed with you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't care. You, like, know, you know, yet at the same time, I understand... Human curiosity. Sure, sure, sure. It's sure. just yeah, people just. But you have to you have to walk that fine line yeah. between human human curiosity and fucking tact. Yeah, you know. Totally. Yeah. There's still a thing called tact. Would you go up to a woman at a work function or 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 a person like a like a like an account executive at a work function and say, so which way do you like to do it? And you know, I mean, <laughs> just out of curiosity. Yeah. You wouldn't, because it's none of your business, and it's the same for everyone across the board. Unless you're, you know, at a place where you're specifically talking about that or getting ready to do that sort of thing, that's when those kind of questions are okay. Exactly. So usually when I speak, I'll talk about there's really three areas of transition for someone. So one thing is medical, mm-hmm. and I say that's usually the one. Just consider that off limits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless that person says otherwise. Mm-hmm. So that means. Hormone talk, surgery talk, all, anything to do with a medical transition, you know, it's safe to assume that's off topic. If you're curious about it, there's plenty of information on Google. You can yeah. go on the Google, you can research, you know, uh, transition surgery or transition right. hormone therapy. There's plenty of medical stuff out there. This is how it's done. This is how they do it. You can find it. Right. You don't have to. You don't have to make a person who's just trying to get through the day and be who they and 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 work on transitioning toward being who they want to be, who they need to be, who they are. Right. You don't need to make them the spokes the 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 the, the lecture giver for that, the yeah. teacher for that. I mean if you want to really get into it, there are entire Tumblr blogs dedicated to oh, transitioning. Totally. Like, you know, it's so easy to find that information out there. It's a lot have, easier right. nowadays. It's Absolutely. just Google it. It's there. It's fine. But you know, and then understanding though that that's just that person's story. So if it's one of the other things that'll happen is is that when someone's able to come out, like Bruce Jenner, somebody, yeah, right? Yeah. Some of the problems that come with that are like on one hand, you know, again, just saying Bruce Jenner and he, him, his, because that's what he said to use for now. Sure. Um, but one of the things that's important is that people will see that, and when they don't have any other exposure to it, they assume that that's the blueprint and that's the template for everyone's transition. You know that. Um, Absolutely, there's going to be surgery involved, hormone, this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, that's that person's experience. Right. You know, and I think even that's, as Bruce has been coming out, you know, it's up to him how much he wants to share and all that. And I think it's great. I don't think that he had to do it, you know. Um, but certainly, I appreciate the way that he's come out. I think it's it's been great and very respectful. And, and I think Barbara Walters was as tactful and respectful yes. as she could be. Yeah. yeah. That was nice, to, refreshing to see. She, it wasn't a freak show. Right. It wasn't anything like that. No, and they took the time to bring in some experts mm-hmm. to speak to it and everything. You know, they really they 
they did go the direction of you know making it a a, a positive thing. a positive thing and, and a also an educational to, yeah, exactly positive exposure giving you know I mean to to to, to shed light in a positive way on something yeah. and just to just a representation yeah you know? yeah well while we're talking about trans people in the media we can't do this without talking about the fact that there's a trans man who is in the top three for Maxim's like yeah. you know mm-hmm. man of the year yeah. like oh my god he's gorgeous yeah. like he's fucking gorgeous like. I posted, you know, that thing about, like, trans man is, like, Maxim's man of the year. And there's literally, like, 24 comments from all of my, like, straight female friends that are like, oh, my God, he's hot. I want one. Give him to me now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. He's just, oh. Yeah, gorgeous. and I'm just. And I, that's fantastic, again, nice. for representation. Mac, Maxim, I think it's Maxim Magazine. I think it's Maxim. I'm, I might be wrong. What's the other? There's FHM and then there's Maxim. Those are the two like PG thirteen, you know, men's kind of the junior, the junior, the junior high Playboy <laughs> magazines, the ones without you know blatant nudity kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, the one has had a, a female editor now for six months, and mm-hmm. they stopped doing the total gratuitous photos on the front they're doing more like face close-ups or mm-hmm. you know more tasteful you know kind of thing and yeah. and and how those things have changed and but yeah now that you have a trans man being contender for that's awesome i mean it's yeah we're seeing a lot of things in the media where things are shifting and and i think it's shifting in good ways so. and he deserves to win like yeah. oh my god he's Hottie ripped McCotterson. to shit yeah like oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> you got a little drool there. <laughs> it's hard too, though, because I mean, there are plenty of folks, though, that I mean, I, I certainly, again, going bigger picture, I see that as a win. You know, I think it's great that it's gotten a lot of attention, and hopefully, he does get it. But then, you know, there are other folks who don't necessarily look like that. You know, oh yeah, and so You're right. just again, who aren't the ripped cut, whatever. Yeah, yeah you know, because again, that's fitting within. Like society standards. That's still fitting in right? with a look, a yeah. lookism. And then you'll get the people saying, "Oh, I would never know," and this, that, and the other, right, but sexualizing, objectifying. Yeah. So it's hard. I mean, there's there's different parts. To I'm it. not. Yeah. I mean, as 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 a as a trans person is not trying to fool you. <laughs> right. It's not about you and and fooling you into thinking that they're whatever they're presenting as. It's about them and how they feel and how they mm-hmm. want to see themselves. Yeah. And that's the thing that we keep coming back to again and again and again is individual struggle, individual experience, and everyone along the broad spectrum of humanity, everyone's individual struggle and experience needs to be validated. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, if it were, you know, a person of color or maybe someone who didn't have top surgery, you know, would we still see the same excitement around it? No, because it fits. Again, he fits the stereotype. He fits a he fits a very a very you know certain stereotype of how a man should look, quote unquote. Exactly. So, and I think that's why people can be comfortable with it. Right. But again, it's also a foot in the door. It is. It is a win. It is a it is a baby step toward greater broad spectrum acceptance. I mean, you have people who are who are uh, plus sized. You have people who are of different. Uh, different races. You have people who are um, of all different uh, people who are are to use. A, I don't know what other word to use, but what what would be considered disfigured or or n- not 
Wow, what word? <laughs> not not standard body, quote unquote, normal. As far as like you know, maybe they're missing a limb, or maybe they're have a you know not symmetrical head, or you know, or whatever, you know yeah, what I mean? they might have like a medical condition, right. or different right. able who or, also yeah. are having that identity struggle or that experience of and and mm-hmm. um, wanting to present a certain way as well. And their experience and story is just as valid as the guy who's in the top ten for man of the year. Right. Well that's totally. another great thing about Furiosa as a character is she's a character with a disability, but she's not disabled. Like her disability doesn't define her and she's mm-hmm. still a fucking badass, mm-hmm. you know, who mm-hmm. made a metal arm like in the apocalypse and right. can drive a war rig. So right. Again, that's another point for representation there. And I know, like, there have been so many blogs where, like, you know, people with disabilities are like, finally, thank God, like, you know, a character who isn't defined by, like, their disability or their struggle or, you know, whatever. Right, or even those, uh, someone, I I didn't read too much about it, but those dolls just came out and they were specially made. Oh, yeah. Right, they have, like, different conditions. Mm -hmm. And there's one who's blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they're, like, $100. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone can afford that. Right. You know, but, yeah, seeing that, Seeing that start to happen right now, especially in my lifetime, I think is really exciting. Because I think everyone just wants to see something that they can identify with. Right. Be it in a book, in a movie, in a show. Everybody wants to be represented. Yeah. Yeah. And be like, wow, yeah, I can identify with that. Mm -hmm. You know, and and then you were saying earlier, too, about... um, Gosh, what did you say? You said something really awesome I really resonated with about... Ah, it'll come back to me later. It'll come back to me later. But basically just coming back to again, just validating everyone's experience. Oh, oh, you were talking about you were talking about your experience being in a class and there was somebody who was religious in the front row and who was is that what you were where you were going toward was the, 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 the thing of she was saying, Okay, I validate your experience as a trans person, as a as a genderqueer person, but I can't I'm having trouble reconciling with the fact that you're going to go to hell and then everybody jumped on her but you said pump the brakes yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no that was a really powerful moment so one of the i I mean i've been speaking i want to say kind of professionally um since may 2009 certainly i started speaking before that but yeah there was this moment where i was in a human sexuality class that was it and I had this, you know, person just really struggling, and again, yeah, like you said, she outed herself as being, you know, a woman of color, of faith, a mom, all these different things were going on, and yeah, she was genuinely struggling, because I think she kept calling me a woman with a beard. She's like, you're just a woman with a beard to me, (laughs) and I was like, okay, Um, you know, but uh, yeah, struggling with, you know, and I think you're going to go to hell, you know, but you, you seem like a good person, and yeah, absolutely, it was just, it was really interesting, because the class definitely got really riled up and they were ready to like yell at her and I mean all of them started causing a commotion the professor had to step in I was like but just but hold on a second because you know number one this this person this this isn't a, a class that's mandatory it's an elective she didn't have to be here you know she's she's openly saying that she's struggling with this and you like we're having a conversation you know she's not at the street corner with the sign with god hates fags all like she's not there she's trying to genuinely wrap her head around 
what's happening for her as I'm sharing my story. And like, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that we can just have honest conversations. I'm not going to falter, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when I'm in a situation like that, I always try to bring in humor. So I did make a joke just to help ease the tension because everyone was really riled up. I was just like, well, first off, if I am going to hell, I hope it's VIP <laughs> and no less, right? <laughs> you know, but, you know, saying that it's it's valid and that, you know, that's something that she's going to have to work through herself because right. I'm not going to bring up the Bible. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, yell at each other because we're not hearing each other, but I will share my story. I will share my experience. And if it makes you, you know, question some things or whatever, then... You know, that's that's great. If not, right. it's just at least someone in that class will get something out of what I'm sharing. Right. And that's really, really important. Yeah. And, and, and we were both saying uh, earlier uh, that same story was was just in the same way that you want that lady to validate your experience and validate your um, your struggle. She has her own struggle to deal with. And, yeah. and her opinion is founded in the way she was raised and the community that she lives in and the, the environment that she lives in. She's a product of that and, and, um, has her own struggle. And the, just the fact that she's there and mm -hmm. listening and trying to understand exactly. and trying to wrap her, her head around it, that's a good thing. And having that conversation, she wasn't attacking you. She wasn't saying you're bad. She wasn't saying you, you stay away from my children. She wasn't <laughs> right. doing the whole sign thing with the God. Exactly. Back. She was saying, you seem like a good person. But in the back of my mind, I've, I've been taught that, that you're not going to be joining us in heaven. And, and that program, that, that's painful yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and a dark thing, you know, a painful thing for me and a thing for me to struggle and to hard to reconcile. And that you have to validate. That. But what's even more important, though, is that I, I've come to find for myself that I need to not rely on other people giving me validation. Right, what's right, most right. important is that I have to validate myself. Right. Yeah. It helps when I have support, but at the end of the day, I have to love myself enough and I have to find out what my boundaries are and stick to that because that's all I have at the end of the sure. day. Mm -hmm. So, and I've noticed, for example, you know, even when it comes to things like dating, if I'm dropping a bomb on someone, then I'm setting myself up for failure. But if I'm coming from a place of like, hey, this is just another identity I have, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. I certainly have other identities, um, you know, for the longest time I was a student, for example, um, <laughs> right, you know, since kindergarten all the way up to last year. So, but it's, it's really important for, for me to, yeah, just, just love myself and, and not, you know, yeah, not act like I'm about to drop a bomb on someone. It's just like something else like the sky's blue, right. you know, mm -hmm. like that's it. And it's like, you're cool with it or you're not. And that's okay. Right. Like, right. I'm not going to let that do anything to me, mm -hmm. right. you know, like an understanding it's that person's issue to work through if it, if it stirs something up in them. Sure. What I want to know is since you do like all of this public speaking and stuff, like how do you get to such a place of patience where you're able to deal with somebody's cultural programming, like that Christian woman's like, I don't know if I could have handled it as gracefully as you have. I, I might have jumped across the podium and <laughs> took a swing at her, but, you know. <laughs> I, I understand that's not the most productive way to handle things. So, like, did it take a while for you to get to that place um, or have that much patience? Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. No, it, it really, yeah, it came back for me at the end of the day. I just, I had to learn to love myself. And I had to figure out, like, who am I as a person, you know? And again, just telling myself even, I'm, I'm not, like, the trans person, I'm not the genderqueer person, I'm Chris. Like, mm -hmm. overall, I'm Chris. 
and and coming to find who that person is and then and then being open to sharing that with folks has been really challenging but i two things that really fuel me the first thing is that i'm worried what will happen if i'm not sharing my story mm. i feel like there's a lot of misinformation out there so it's really important for me to do that and the other part of it is that I learn and grow as a person too. Every mm -hmm. time I speak, it's different because mm -hmm. not because I'm forgetting details necessarily or something like that, but I change and evolve as a person too. And I can tell them and I can empathize. I dealt with some of the same programming. You oh, know, yeah. when I was growing sure. up, my dad would tell me about how, you know, when gay men would hit on him and, and, and you know, um, I would, he'd tell me about how he would beat them up. I mean, later oh. on, I found out through my mom there was a point where. He was on a date with a woman, didn't know that she was a trans woman. When they decided to get intimate, I mean, he beat the crap out of her. Whoa. You know, so I feel like, sometimes I feel like I was, like, the fruit of his karma. <laughs> it's like, you were, like, super homophobic and transphobic, so you're just going to have, like, the queerest kid ever. And, <laughs> and deal with it, right? And that's cool. That's cool. Um, but that's that's really what it comes down to is that I've, I've also had to deal with my own internalized homophobia and transphobia. Mm -hmm. And so when I can remember that and remember what it's like to work through it, and certainly there's still traces of it right now uh, that I still struggle with because it's, you know, it's a process. It's a yeah. journey. Well, any sort of cultural programming is mm -hmm. certainly a hell of a drug. Yes, but, but it, it just reminds me of what it was like when I was going through my journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one of the, I think one of the biggest lessons that was really, really humbling for me was that when I was trying to come out to folks, I mean, I've had my whole life to sit with myself and try to figure this out. Sure. And especially, of course, when I started getting the language and all that and figuring out safe spaces, that helped. But I had that time. So all of a sudden to come at my family and be like, hey, I think I'm a lesbian. Oh, just kidding. I'm bisexual. Oh, actually, I'm genderqueer. I'm trans. I'm pansexual. <laughs> I'm queer. Like all these other things. I had to give them time to process because more often than not, I'm not a parent, but mm -hmm. I can empathize again. That's one of my best tools. If I empathize as a parent, you know, they're usually really excited and have this plan for us before we're even born, right? Mm -hmm. They have these mm -hmm. ideas of who we're going to be. So to empathize with my family and understand that, number one, they didn't have as much time as me. Number two, they didn't have the support that I did. Number three, that they have to have a grieving process oh, sure. for the loss of this child sure, they thought they sure, had. Sure, sure. But then simultaneously, right, have to carry and hold space for for bringing in this new kid mm -hmm, that they have to mm -hmm. get to know, that's really hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I can just really, really try to focus on that and understand where they're coming from, it does make it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I mean, because naturally, I, you know, I carried a lot of, you know, I was really bitter, I was, I was resentful, and just like, you know, of all the things and ways that they failed me. But again, just had to empathize with all of what they've gone through. I mean, they had me when they were super young and all that. I just, I had to be patient with their process as mm -hmm. well. And mm -hmm. so it was a, it was a journey for both of us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you yeah. ever find like other end of the spectrum that you get exoticized as like a genderqueer trans person, like when you're out in the dating world? Oh, dating is so fun right now. <laughs> it's so awkward. Um, I was really lucky uh, that when I was first coming out as genderqueer and I you know, decided medical transition was part of my journey and everything, I met someone on OkCupid. It was like the second person I dated. And she was really cool about everything. You know, and it could have easily been very different, but she was open to it. I sure. mean, 
and we were together for like you know three and a half years and it was a process for both of us and because it was like I would argue and say that for both of us it was like one of our first big relationships um, together I mean there was a learning curve anyway right you know but we were just we both had to be open to it and and work through it and that helped a lot but now um, you know that that relationship ended uh, you know a few years ago and because I was in graduate school and because I was juggling all these different things I was just like dating there's no time for that I mean my, (laughs) my dad passed away like all this stuff was happening, right? So I'm only now dating. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so I think that dating in itself is already really awkward. But then adding the whole coming out process, it's just so it's so awkward. Yeah. So there's part of me... I'm, I'm experimenting with it. There's oh, yeah. part of me that's yeah. like, okay, I'm going to just put it in my profile. They can do research, whatever. And there's been folks that have done that. Mm-hmm. you know. And then I'll know because then they'll message me and say, oh, well, what are your pronouns? And I'm like, oh, my God. like <laughs> My pants are going to come off of you right now. <laughs> uh, you know, but, no, but it... Not really, but like it does make me so happy when someone asks me that question. Um, yeah, so there's part of that where I'm really excited about because then at least I'm maybe, you know, weeding out folks that are just not about it, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But then there's another part of me that says, you know, I don't want to be fetishized. I don't want to be sexualized. I don't want people actively seeking me out just because I'm genderqueer or trans or whatever. Um, or, you know, worry about what script people have in their heads and just not being about it because they think it means certain things. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just like... I don't know what to do. So there's been a couple of dates where, you know, I'll meet with them and toward the end of the date, if it was going really well, then I'll be like, hey, so this thing, again, you know, sky is blue. I'm trans, you know, like things are going pretty well. I just want to let you know this, you know, say, take some time, sit on it, whatever. Um, and like, usually they're cool with it at the moment, right? Because they think they're trying to be polite or I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in their head. But then like, just won't hear from them. And it's okay. And it's amazing that I can say that. Again, for me, it really comes back to self-love. Like, that's, like, my number one tool. So, again, understanding someone doesn't have to be about it. That's totally mm-hmm, cool. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to, like, ruin my life in some way or my day or something just because yeah. they're not attracted to me. I think that's just great life advice in general for all humans, you know? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like I could be, like... I don't know. This is so embarrassing. It like I could be on Tinder and it's just like no one's right swiping me or whatever, you know, <laughs> or we're not swiping for each other, you know. But like, just I mean, the whole dating experience, anyway, is already well. Really it's awkward. shitty enough as it is. It's, 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 it's arduous enough and yeah. awkward and 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 horrible and and weird and awkward and yeah, it's it's. But it's also really exciting and fun. But and add, yeah, but add, but then you know, add at intersections of of mm-hmm. other. Cat, you know, I, you know, I hate to use the word categories, but other right. other experiences and along that spectrum, and I'm sure it becomes more, it complicates things. There totally. was um, something that I read, I think somebody reposted it on Facebook, and they were talking about, you know, all these different identities and categories and things like that, and they were like, think about it like customizing a video game character, <laughs> you know? Sure. Like, you get a blank, and then it's like, male, female, other, blah, 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 you know, and like, you just... Tall, short, white, brown, black, yeah. red hair, yet blonde <laughs> hair, dark hair, high eyebrows, low eyebrows. Mm-hmm. It's like making a me on a, on a yeah. Wii, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like this big, and you change the shape of the face yeah. and all these different things, but and the, the lips end, and the nose. and Yeah, at the end of it, it's about making exactly what you want. Exactly, you know? and yeah. And for real people becoming exactly who you want to be. Right, right. <laughs> 
Totally. And yeah. so it's it's interesting, but like I said, so far people have been pretty respectful. Some people just be like, well, I'm not about that, but we can be friends. And, and part of me goes, I hope you're not doing again, you know, like coming I, from a I place don't want to be your like, token pull, Yeah, you know. I don't I don't want you to feel like, oh, well, I don't want you to think less than less of me or whatever. So yeah, let's be friends. It's like no, like if if you're not interested, that's totally cool. Yeah. And for me, my whole thing with dating is I, I prefer hanging out. It's not because I'm not interested in ultimately like committing to someone or whatever. But for me, it's like, I just want you to be real and authentic, too. Sure. I feel like dating, if, if it, there can be this pressure, like, let me put my best foot forward oh, and all yeah, that. Yeah. I'm like, no, yeah. bring out all the crazy right now. Like, let's just make sure our crazy <laughs> is compatible. Get it out on the table, yeah. That's exactly where I'm at. Chris Rock has a joke about that. He's like, when you're going on a first date with someone, you're not dating them, you're dating their representative. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> totally. And, you know, of course there's going to be exceptions to, to that. But, yeah, for me, that's 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 partially why I'm, I'm trying out the whole thing of just being open and honest about being trans in the front. And, again, if people are cool with it, cool. If not, it's not my issue. And, like, I don't have to take it up. I don't feel like this duty, like, oh, no, let me convert you. Let me show you <laughs> I my must people. make you accept this. No. Yeah, like, no, it's cool. No, it's, it's cool. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, when I dated, yeah. I mean, there's certain things about me that are definitely alternatives to what most cis straight people consider "quote unquote" normal, and and I always had to just be completely upfront with people up front because I I just got it, wanted to get it out of the way, and I guess I'm. Uh, uh, we were talking earlier before the podcast about about me being able to to try to empathize and understand and be open and um validate the experience of people who aren't what i am and and how i'm an individual and i am i have i'm one person who has my experience and i can't ever even hope to be able to completely understand what someone any one other person is going through and even though i fit in this Te- technically on paper fit inside this box of cis straight white male um i don't fit in that group the way that most people or a lot of people the, the majority of people seem to or what tv and radio and movies tell us was what that's supposed to be i don't fit into that i don't mm-hmm. i don't drive a sports car i don't i don't uh, go to strip clubs i don't i don't like supermodels i don't watch football sports and blah 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 I'm a different kind of guy even within that. So, uh, therefore, to extrapolate out from that, I can't even imagine what it's like being someone who has intersectional struggles of being in all these quote-unquote categories or along the spectrum of, of, of human experience. So, I have to really be careful and, and respectful and open and honest and... Because otherwise, you're you're just living a lie. You can't just mm-hmm. just go forward and then go. Oh well, I didn't tell you that, but you know. So I always had to be really, really honest with people and just say, "This is who I am," and you either are down with that, down to down to hang out, or not, and and that has to be okay. Mm-hmm. By default, identifying as genderqueer, um, I feel like. I kind of sort of have to come out to people. So if I'm getting a coffee and they stir me, you know, that's okay. Like, I'm not going to have, you know, gender 101 with them right then and there, right? (laughs) It's like, no, you're you're just trying to be polite. Like, it's in your job description. You're supposed to do that stuff. Fine, whatever. But yeah, for, like, folks, if I'm going to have, you know, some sort of relationship with them, romantic or otherwise, I feel like I have to. Because by default, again, you know, um, 
legally, you know, my name is Chris now, but like my pronouns, you know, they, them, there, people wouldn't necessarily think to use those pronouns with me. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the hardest pills for me to swallow through this process so far was, um, you know, I would read about the glass ceiling and privilege and all that stuff, but as I started medically transitioning, I started getting treated differently, mm-hmm. you know, and I wasn't thinking about that. I was just like, let me just follow my truth and be authentic. I wasn't thinking that, you know, people would perceive me differently. So it was really startling for me when, you know, uh, when people started perceiving me to be a white male, you know, and beard and all that started coming in. I was like, oh, this is fun. But, you know, for someone else, it could be really scary. So, you know, when I would have late night classes at USC and I'd be walking to my car, I mean, I would notice that women started clutching their purse around me, they started walking faster, and I can't mm-hmm. be like, I'm not gonna rape you! Yeah. <laughs> Awkward! Yeah. Right? Or, right. I'm not gonna steal your iPhone! Like, that's not, you yeah. know? But then, it would really fuck with my head, because, you know, like, my apartment now, there was one night I was getting my mail, and all of a sudden this woman, I, you know, assumed that she lived in the building, she had her hands full, she's like, oh, can you open the door for me? I'm like, yeah, it's fine, you seem harmless, right? But didn't realize... You know, until a little bit later, she came up to me and whispered in my ear. She's like, thank you. You just saved me from some creep that's been chasing me. You know, so it's like I can be safe to some folks and other people mm-hmm. are right. just like, no, you're a threat. And it just it's been really hard. At first, I took that very personally because mm. I'm like, I'm a teddy bear. Damn right. it. You know, but like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a, I, I consider myself to be a very sensitive, yeah. non-threatening kind of guy. But but. But if it's late at night and I and I've yeah. been socialized and trained to look after myself, you know. Sure. And I mean, if you just look at the statistics, like one mm-hmm. in five women in the United States is a victim of at least attempted sexual assault. Right. So right. you know. So when I'm able to empathize, and again, like, like mm-hmm. I'll just keep saying that's it's one of my biggest tools. When I was able to see it that way and understand what's going on, it was a little easier for me to be like, okay, this is just something I have to work with. So as long as I can just keep being that example of I don't know, not raping them, right. <laughs> you know, right. not assaulting them not catcalling and just not doing that right. and just being a, a positive experience I feel like that helps a lot and right. I, I really have to reframe it that way right. and that's also something that social work has helped me too. there was a, a song by Living Color um, uh, it was Corey Glover and Vernon Reed and it was, a, it was a heavy metal band and it was all black males in the band and they had the song called Funny Vibe and it's all about about being just trying to be treated equally by white people mm-hmm. and the the, the, the the chorus is no I'm not going to rape you no I'm not going to harm you no I'm not going to you know mug you that kind of thing and, mm-hmm. and in, the, in the music video it shows a white hand coming in to shake hand you know the the, the a black hand on one side coming in to shake hands and the other guy tries to do the soul mm. grab and he's just like no stop just shake my <laughs> hand you know that kind of thing and oh gosh and yeah I, I mean especially as like I was coming out when I was like in community college I mean super early in my transition when people would find out especially guys they thought it was like up to them like to come at me and try to teach me of what it's like to be a man. <laughs> they were just like, let me help you. Let me show you the way. This is Did how you, you hit on women. I, and oh, everything. yeah. And I was like, oh, you're so cute. You know? Now, I have a friend who's got a, a concierge shirt service for trans women, and she is, because there are many trans women who do struggle with how to feel and present more in a more feminine fashion. And she's started a, a business, a concierge service for trans women to teach them how to be girly. 
and I think that's really wonderful. And if and if people are seeking her out to do that, that's one thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there is a need for it, but especially guys because... coming to you and saying, "Well, here, let me show you how to drink beer and exactly. fart." Exactly. They just you know, <laughs> yeah, they take right. it upon themselves. And, and and again, it's like well, let me teach off... you how to treat women like crap. There you go. Exactly. There. So it's fascinating. Or oh my gosh, even like the differences in the restrooms. I miss oh. going to the women's restroom. Yeah. It's not safe for me to go there anymore. Um, although I will go once in a while if no one else is in there. And it's like if I have to pee, I have to pee. I'm not. Right? I'm going. <laughs> right? But it was just fascinating because it's like, you know, I could go to the women's restroom for a period of time, you know, most of my life up until about, I want to say maybe six years ago or so. But like, you know, go in there and it's fine. Like if you run out of toilet paper, you can say, hey, can you give me a few sheets? Hopefully yeah. they give you more than a few sheets, right? Yeah. But, you know, um, you can, if you need pad, tampon, whatever, it's like you light or heavy, I got you. Someone has a Mary Poppins bag up in there, right? And they're ready to help you out. It's yep. like more of a community. They're looking out for each other. Tampon, but then, pad, umbrella. Exactly. Like, what, do you, what do you need? I got you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there hit a point where when I was going in there, they just perceived me to be male and, and uh, they were threatened by that. And sure. they were just really like giving me like death looks. Sure, I mean, sure, I sure. Kicked out. I mean, people can be really harmed, you know, but mm-hmm. again, because of like the way I would struggle with my dad in the way that he would, you know, put his homophobia on me, my biggest fear was, okay, like, I'm recognizing I probably need to go to the men's room for safety reasons, but at the same time, what if they perceive me to be a gay male, this, that, or the other? What if they beat me up? What if they know? Right. You know? And so I was terrified. But I have to... And, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Culture shock. It is completely different from going to the women's restroom. I mean, and there there was no training manual or anything, right? Mm. I mean, so I was just kind of figuring it out on my own. So I learned very quickly. You just go in. You don't look at each other. You don't talk to each other. You don't have code. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You don't pee next to each other. There's code. You leave one space. Oh, there's, like, math to it. It's this whole thing. There is. this whole thing. Yeah. You know? And my, my awkwardness is, like, you know... I have to wait for a stall, you know. Um, certainly, there there are you know things I could use, so I could use a urinal and all that. There are stand to pee devices, but I prefer just using a stall. But it's awkward because it's like if those are full, then there's this like shuffle of like waiting, you know. And so I, I would okay. I learned very quickly, you know. I pull my phone out, play, wait. They're gonna think I'm taking a picture. Like no, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Right, put the Step phone away. Back out and, but there's know, nowhere to out. look. Yeah, there's no right, privacy right, in the men's right. room, no, so it's yeah. like the urinals are just all there and all. Like so, there's nowhere to look. I could stare at the wall like you know an <laughs> asshole and just look really stupid. Um, but yeah, so there, there's been so many. And oh my goodness, and. When I've seen people break those codes, <laughs> you know, like the tension in the bathroom, mm. I'm like, no, I'm good. And I'll, I'll just like leave as quickly as possible. Yeah. So, Hearing all of this awkward. just makes me really, really glad I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, I, I mean, I've never followed the code. I mean, I'll go <laughs> and pee next to a dude or whatever, but I just don't give a shit about that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care if somebody looks me. I, if some dude just stood and stared me <laughs> right in the eye while we were both urinating next to one another, I'd be like... So, you know, I mean, I don't care. I am, I'm, I am like zero percent homophobic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and have been since I went to Rocky Horror Picture Show at age sixteen. So, <laughs> you do, like you do. That so, helps. yeah, Rocky Horror changed my life. Trust me. I mean, I grew up with the fag jokes and the guys and the blah, 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 and you're gay and, blah, 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 and you suck cock and blah blah blah. I grew up with all that and and went to Rocky Horror and just lost all of that. That just mm-hmm. all just whoosh, just got flushed away. Um, in that pool at the end. Um, but uh, real quick, something has been in the back of my mind, yeah. back to what you were saying about going to Starbucks and being addressed as sir. 
Is there a non-gender-specific formal address word? The best part is, if they're doing their job correctly, they're supposed to ask you for their name, and mm. they can just use that. Like, there's no need to do sir, sir madam, all that, right? And, you know, I was working even at a Starbucks for a few years, but they they really do want you to make sure the customer has a good experience. Mm -hmm. So if you're not asking them how they are and, mm -hmm. and, you know, working through that whole thing, but in a way that's like, yes, I'm asking you how you're doing, but I'm also trying to get you to pay and then go to the bar so you can get your drink, you know, um, it can be really awkward. I mean, I should have known even then that it was going to be a social worker because people would tell me about like the restraining orders they were getting and all sorts of things. I'm like, this is Whoa. just Starbucks. I'm just a barista. Why are you telling me this? And <laughs> foreshadowing of social work career. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I made them that comfortable that, you know, they would share. But, yeah, I mean, I would just rather people not assume. I mean, as the joke goes, you know, you make an ass out of you and me, sure, right? Sure, sure, sure. Um, but it's, it's hard because, you know, even when I was in an English class, I had a professor say, well, I'm not using they, them, there in a singular sense. You know, and even when he went and wrote me um, letters of recommendation and stuff, it was like, Chris, 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 Chris. Luckily, I still got the scholarship, but <laughs> even with him doing that. Um, but he just wasn't willing to meet me there. And it's silly because, I mean, number one, if you're going to ask me about my pronouns, then you need to respect them. Sure. I don't care what they are. If I'm saying to call me a unicorn, you better call me a unicorn because that's how I'm self-identifying. I want to be. I want to be called a unicorn. No, <laughs> right? Best. No. So I, for me, and it's simple because English is an evolving language, and actually, like historically, even authors such as Shakespeare use they them there. Yeah, you're right. Sense. You're absolutely so right. So you can't tell me that it's not valid. But again, doesn't matter how I identify. You need to respect that. And I have done that. And I, I, I've, I've realized in the, that in years past, years, years, years past, that there were times when I didn't want to, when I was telling a story about somebody that I ran into, was just telling an anecdote out of my day to somebody, mm -hmm. that it happened to involve a woman or a person of color or blah, blah, blah. Or I'm talking about some guy over there, some person over there mm -hmm. who happened to be a person of color or whatever. I didn't want to make that the focus of what I was talking about. And so I would use they, them, there mm -hmm. mm -hmm. to, to neutralize it. And then if they asked me, fine, I would, say, I would say, oh, well, it was a woman or, oh, it was a person of color or whatever. But, but that I, I tried to remove that as the... Uh, as the the key factor of the story, and it was I, the, to to illustrate that I was just dealing with a person mm -hmm. who, whatever the story was about, whether I was irked or whether I was uh, surprised or happy or whatever it was about, right. I was trying to remove the focus on pigeonholing that person that I was telling the anecdote about and just to make it about this person did or said or whatever. Totally. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I would have so many arguments because I grew up with my dad and my grandma and my grandma would say, oh, that black person or that oriental. And I'm like, like a rug. <laughs> yeah. You what? had a conversation with a rug? <laughs> a rug overcharged you at a store? Right. Oh yeah. my gosh. No, like always, always pulling, you know, whatever gender, whatever ethnicity they happen to be. And I was like, honestly, more often than not when they would share whatever story it had no relevance to what they were saying. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was so just... I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, because like Cause I if, it was, to... if the story was about a white person, they wouldn't say that white lady or that that they wouldn't say that. They would just yeah. But if it was, <laughs> I mean, but it, <laughs> she's like I would. Um, <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I my family's from the south, and uh, there's a lot of oh boy about that. <laughs> but my grandparents grew. We're both from the south. My grandfather's family's from West Virginia. My grandmother's family's from North Carolina, and you would automatically might make some assumptions about that. But my grandparents lived in the in a small town in the middle of rural Virginia, and they lived in the quote unquote black section of town. Mm-hmm. And lots they went to they went to the quote unquote white Baptist church in town, the old one that's been there for since eighteen ninety four or whatever. But they lived in the quote unquote black sections of town and didn't think anything of it. And they had they would their part of their daily routine was going and helping people. That was part of that their their quote unquote service to the Lord was going and just helping people, taking an old old an elderly person to get their medication, or driving someone to church, or running dry cleaning for them, or going grocery shopping for somebody, or that sort of thing. And it, they were there were people of color, there were white folks, there were there was um, my grandma talked about. Um, a friend that she had the last time she was volunteering at the hospital in town and there was this lovely gay male nurse that she was really good friends with and always very positive and there was never any form of racism from of, of that I ever detected ever from my grandparents mm-hmm. on the slightest degree and I spent a lot of time with them as a kid and I credit them with my being able to sift through that without you know dealing with with other indo- forms of indoctrination that we all have to slog through on a regular basis. Well, it seems to me like that's the difference between calling yourself a Christian and actually acting Christ-like. Ba-doom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was raised very Catholic. I went to Catholic school until I got expelled in junior high. And, like, yeah. High five. High five. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I stand by the fact that getting expelled was one of the best decisions I ever made. But there's such a disconnect between, like, the things Jesus Christ, the person, or whatever you want to call him, actually said to do, and what a lot of modern Christians are currently doing. Like, don't you think it would make Jesus happier to, like, help the sick, or, you know, help the poor, or maybe do something about all the suffering in the world, rather than, like... You know, screaming about, like, abortions and gays and, you know, like, there's so much more that these megachurches could be doing um, to actually help people instead of just, you know, like I said, screaming about gays and abortions. Why aren't we building mega homeless shelters? (laughs) For real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's hard for me. I... I let people, you know, uh, believe whatever they want, really, because, again, at the end sure. of the day, as long as they're not, like, trying to actively hurt me or whatever. Or I'm pass legislation. <coughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, really exciting with Ireland right now. And, yeah. Yes. Good job, awesome. Ireland. Good job. Aaron Gobralis. <laughs> they just need to get their shit together on abortion. So, mm-hmm. they're halfway there. They're, hey, you know what? Baby steps. We're all... We're seeing a lot of positivity. There's still a lot of lingering negativity, but there's all these little... We're just mm-hmm. making these little trudge foots forward and feet yeah. forward in, in, in all kinds of areas right now. It's a very exciting, scary, but exciting time to be alive. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff you said, and, and I agree too. I've been around since the 70s, <laughs> and I'm old. Um, and there's so much that I didn't even think I was going to see in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And you're saying the same thing and things you didn't imagine you'd see in your lifetime, which is going to be longer. So it's seeing this being alive right now and seeing 
the world slowly, in, you know, millimeter by millimeter, pulling its collective head out of its rectum is is really it's 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 heartwarming. It's good to see and and being able to have conversations like this and and learn and and because you know I still struggle with my with my white straight cis maleness every day mm-hmm. and and how to be a better ally and how to be a better listener and a better validator and 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 I'm finding this this particular episode of the podcast to be tremendously helpful and and yeah. and good for for my experience and i hope i hope that's happening for you as well so yeah no thank you for that and thank you for being so open to it um i and it's funny you mentioned allies i think a lot of people feel that um allies tend to be straight folks you know that just have a basic at least understanding or support the the community but for me, part of my um, definition also includes people within the community itself. Mm-hmm. Because I remember like when I was identifying as bisexual, for example, um, I had a lot of friends who were either gay or lesbian who were just like, um, yeah, that doesn't really exist. So right. you need to pick a team, right? And I was like, what? That didn't feel very loving. No. Or now, now that, you know, since I've come out as trans... Um, well, there's a story there. I, I was working at a community college, and I was working in the theater department. And a lot of fascinating things went down while I was working there. Um, one of the most shocking things uh, was that when I would go to the restroom, I mean, there's been so many years of my life, and even still to this day, where I've had to plan my life around the restroom. Mm. Like, I'm going to purposely dehydrate myself so I don't have to go, or, okay, there's a you know, there's a family restroom all the way over there, or there's a unisex restroom all the way over here. Like, yeah. always have, or, or at least know that there's, you know, a segregated restroom, but at least no one looks at it, so you can just go in, no one's going to, you know, it's like low traffic or whatever. Like, always having to plan my days around it. So, I mean, there was one day I was, like, walking over to, again to just use the restroom, and I could hear students like basically placing bets to see which bathroom i was going to go into whoa like in retrospect i could have made some good money on that right (laughs) Um, i had someone go in over there and whatever right and and part of me thought wow okay so i'll go to the men's room because it'll just you know again at that point it was it was easier to to go in there um and then but maybe after i'm done then i'll go in the women's restroom right and then i'll go in there for a second and then i'll go back you know but like i didn't want to have to keep thinking about that and so whenever I would have bigotry or, or whatever or something happening, I, I never had like a model or something to use as far as, you know, do I make a joke of, out of myself or, you know, do I get really pissed off? Do I, you know, wh- what do I do? I didn't know. And I would always have to think about it on the spot. Mm-hmm. And it got exhausting. Um, a second thing that happened was that for a very long time I caved in and I did identify as a butch lesbian. Because my friends were like, you're just a butch lesbian, get over it, you know, just just do that, you'll be so much happier. And gosh, I immersed myself into West Hollywood hardcore, we'd go to all the ladies' nights and all that, right? It was just like, I missed those. all lesbian, <laughs> all the time, right? But it didn't feel right, it didn't feel all-encompassing. And so once I finally found the language of genderqueer and trans and realized, oh, I need to look at my gender identity, it's not so much like, who am I attracted to, but who am I in relation to those people? Mm. How do I want to be treated? How do I want to be seen? Once I had that missing piece put together, I was like, oh my God, this changes everything. And so first when I came out, my friends were, you know, cool with it and all that for the most part. But then as I said, oh, well, I'm changing my name. I'm thinking surgeries, maybe hormones. I mean, there was like a strong resistance. Mm. So... At that point, I had started speaking, you know, and I was talking to classes and everything. But at the same time, there was a student who was at Cal State Long Beach. He was a trans guy. And 
uh, is a trans guy, rather. I assume he still identifies as such. But kind of out on campus, people kind of knew him. Someone followed him into the men's restroom, and they pushed him into a stall, and they carved it into his chest. Whoa! I mean, this was, like, happening around the same time. That scared me. I mean, I was called it when I was in high school. People called me it. They called me sexy it. It was this whole joke, right? And so it triggered me back to that. Well, at the same time, I came out of one of our shows after doing box office or whatever, and I saw my car was vandalized. And I was like, shit. Like, because, again, that kid just was hurt, right, at Cal State Long Beach. I was like... Maybe I'm lucky, maybe this is a sign, maybe I shouldn't speak. You know, that's where my brain was going. It's like someone didn't like what I had to say, right, when I was sharing my story. No, it was my friends. My friends were, like, plotting this, and, you know, they picked a night, and they vandalized my car, and they were actually really pleased with themselves and that they got away with it. So when I found that out a little later, I was really upset. Because not only did that happen, but in the same week... My dad and my grandma basically kicked me out of the house. Were they trying to discourage you from transition? I think that our relationship really just hit a point where there was a lot of strain and confusion. And I think they were dealing with their own transphobia or whatever. Because, I mean, some of them really had a strong reaction to me talking about hormones and everything. They just couldn't get on the same board. And I thought they were the same friends who, like, loved me. We'd known each other for years, Mm -hmm. right? And we'd hang out all the time. And we were so close. I was just like, what is happening? And so, yeah, like, so so first thing I know, my car is vandalized. And then basically that same week, then my family is like, you can't have that. Like, my grandma was just, like, chasing me out of the house one morning. Like, that has to go. That has to go. And I'm like, what is it? I mean, I'd already stopped shaving my legs. And I know Mm -hmm. she hated that. I'd had mohawks and stuff before. So I was like, what is it this time? What did I do now? But I realized she was talking about my beard. Because at that point, I had started hormones, and my beard was starting to come in very slowly. Um, but to even call it a beard would be too much, right? Um, but, like, that has to go. And then I realized, I was like, well, I'm sorry you're not happy. And she cut me off. She's like, you're damn right I'm not happy. And I was like, okay, but I am. I am happy. Mm-hmm. I need to do this. This is my journey. And just weren't understanding each other. So it's like, you know, those would have those friends, those would have been the couches I would have been surfing on and everything, right? But I didn't have that. So I just felt like my complete world was, like, upside down. I felt like my foundation was just taken from underneath me. And it was a really dark time. I'd already, you know, struggled for a long time in my life from, like, second grade on with suicide. Mm-hmm. Because I'd always wonder, why am I going through all this crap? Like, mm-hmm. why is all this stuff happening to me? What is there even to hold on to? There's no hope. I mean, my family never pushed me in a positive direction. They, I mean, they didn't even want me to go to school. They were like, why? Why waste your money? Why waste your time? Like that, you know, da da da, whatever. So anyway, um, it was really hard for me. But luckily, when I was in high school and, you know, again, just, just going on my gender and sexuality journey and I started getting really involved in, in volunteering, especially in the community. And luckily, a family sort of caught wind of my situation. And I mean, long story short, they had basically like adult adopted me. Nice. Wow. And I was very fortunate, you oh. know, for like the past five years or so to live with them. And they were like, listen, stay here rent free. Just go to school. Do well. Do your thing. We'll support you. And then when you're done with school and all that, you know, we'll, we'll figure out from there what's happening. And so if it weren't for them, I mean, I wouldn't have gone on to Cal State LA probably. I probably wouldn't have gone on to USC. Like none of that stuff was like in my future. I never saw my future. But this family just really believed in me. And between that and the teachers who were fighting for me and later on professors who were fighting for me, I was able to finally get to a place of, wow, like, life is worth fighting for, and oh, yeah. life can be good. And, that's, like, it, that's those great. moments were critical. So now I can look back on that moment and say, that was complete shit, right? 
But it was really important because I needed to be kicked out of that home because there were things happening there that were never going to stop and I was never going to move on if I didn't leave. Mm -hmm. It was the same four walls, mm -hmm. right? I needed mm -hmm. to leave. So that needed to happen. And we were able to like repair a relationship to a, to a degree after that. And then with the friends, I mean, obviously they weren't friends if they were going to do something like sure. that. Yeah. But I needed them to leave my life so that <laughs> people who are awesome and do support me could come in. Like, all this stuff needed to happen. But Just making time, room, cleaning yeah. house, moving on. Another transition, as we talked yeah. about earlier, about no matter who you are, what you, what you, you know, what your experience is, what, you know, as far as the things that you witness and the things that happen to you and the things that you do, we all have transitions to go through. Even yes. if you mm -hmm. stay, the, stay the same cis, straight, white, male, or whatever, from birth till whenever you still have transitions that you go through. Like I said, I, I never thought I would be a homeowner. I never thought I'd be excited about talking about tile and carpet and paint and stuff, but <laughs> right. here I am. And now that, you know, that I, I moved in that made that transition in my life. And so, and obviously that it doesn't necessarily completely compare across the board with a, with an identity transition. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, I guess in certain, in certain aspects it is because I'm now a homeowner, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So, yeah, well, that's good. My my mom my mom is a person of faith, and um, her mother just died a, a few weeks ago. And Sorry I was, um, uh, yeah, I was that was the one of the grandparents I was talking about lives in the small town in Virginia, and uh, I went out there for the funeral, and we stayed at this the house of this uh, friend of my mom's, who was this really nice older lady. Uh, who has all this room and we stayed in her house for free and all I had basically had to do was pay for airfare and a rental car and it saves you know some some money and you know time and just having a place to call home while I'm there for a couple of days and my mom referred to her as her angel and and um and she said that you know this woman is one of my angels her name is Chris and uh, her her uh this is one of my angels and I was thinking of that that kind of sprung up in the back of my mind the the family that that supported you during this time and trouble trouble time in your life there's angels everywhere kind of thing and not to, oh, yeah. I'm not a religious person but you know there really are people who who seem to have something going on inside of them that is much more empathetic and much more supportive than than even across the board in the middle that people kind of go above and beyond and that's that's good. And there's times throughout our lives where people, you know, obviously people are really horrible and shitty to us, but there's times in our lives where there are people who go the extra mile and are who are extra supportive of us and help us get through those times when people are not so nice. Absolutely. I mean, and they didn't owe me anything. They didn't have to take me in. They didn't have to go out of their way to do any of that, but they did. And I'm so grateful. I mean, who knows where I could have ended up? Maybe sure. some other family would have come along. I have no idea. Right. You know, I could sit there and, and sit in the what ifs all day if I wanted to. Um, but what's, what's important is that, you know, part of my journey of getting to a place of like self-love and acceptance and all that embracing my identity and everything um that was just really important because um it helped me again to just get to this place of just being okay with where i am now but part of it is honoring those who are able to see my worth and all that before i could sure yeah so i mean there were things that i had to learn to love about myself through other people and that that was really good yeah so that's good I'm super grateful for that excellent excellent so uh, real quick um yes. Uh, the reason why Heidi uh, Hornbacher connected us is, is because you made a, a video for Teen Line. You were mm -hmm. you were uh, working on that project. Can you talk about that a bit? Totally. So really quickly, Teen Line is a nonprofit based out of Los Angeles. There's three main things that they do. So the first is that it's a teen to teen hotline. 
and they'll get calls, texts, and emails from teens all around the world. Um, they're open every night between 6 and 10, and it's, it's really important because more often than not, when a teen is going through something, they'd rather talk to another teen. Sure. Absolutely. You know, adults can be very invalidating and not understanding, and, and plus they could have gone through some of the same things themselves or are even actively. I mean, they won't let you know that. But the teens are just, they're trained, they go through this intensive process, and I mean, anything a teen can be going through, depression, relationship issues, abuse, you name it, they're, they're ready to go. Um, so that's, that's the main thing they do. The second is that they produce the Youth Yellow Pages, mm-hmm. and that's a book with almost any resource a teen might need in Southern California, organized by category. Also now it just came out as a free app, so it's really great, oh, because awesome. yeah, teens can download it. Um, especially, you know, when there's teens that, like, their friends turn to them. They're like, mm-hmm. well, hey, I have this resource, you know. Um, but also professionals who work with teens. It's great for them, too, to have. What's it called again? So it's Teen Lines Youth Yellow Pages. Okay. So, yeah, just any smartphone, any tablets, Youth Yellow Pages. There's also a link directly from teenlineonline.org. And then the third thing we do, which brings us to the video, is Outreach. So we have a general outreach, which just talks about the hotline, texting, calling, all that. Um, Talks about that, and Teen Line is a resource, but also, you know, we'll talk about the different calls that come in, because that's usually interesting for folks to learn about. But we've also been doing, uh, you know, suicide prevention, bullying prevention, but also LGBTQ outreach. Mm. So when they created my position... Uh, for me last year and and brought me on board. They're really excited to have an in-house LGBTQ person and they've been wanting to do an LGBTQ video. And I was like, great, this is awesome. (laughs) And it's like been my baby and there's been so many amazing people I've been able to work with on it. And um, so many people who are, are really part of my story and part of why I'm still here today were involved in it as well. I made sure that happened. And I feel like it's really well done. I mean, as much as I could, I tried to make sure that there were people who uh, were visibly and not diverse, um, that we were telling different people's stories. So we were following the stories of a few teens in Southern California. We had some professionals, you know, basically backing up what they were saying. Um, And I I think it's great because we're not trying to come from this place of, oh, uh, you you have to be okay with this. And like, we were just telling stories. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, you know, just trying to be authentic and honest, and I feel like it's great, but, um, you know, hoping to use it as part of LGBTQ outreach that we do, and also there's been several people who have said that, you know, they want to use it as part of, like, their in-house training or in their classes, and that's what we want. That's what we want. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. stories are more important. We could have thrown facts in there. It could have been, you know, the super dark, depressive, depressing rather, after school special. But I was like, <laughs> we need to not do that. There's yeah. enough of that shit yeah, out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This needs to be positive. This needs to show, yeah, there can be challenges, but that's not always the script. Mm-hmm. There's people that can come out and they can be, you know, really happy and do really, really well. And I feel like this this video really helps do that. Sure. Sure. That's good. That's good. Yeah, hearing a success story with someone whose struggle is intersectional is always a, a good thing. That only creates positivity and, and, and kills the stereotype that, that that if you're trying to be anything other than quote-unquote normal, you're going to have a shit existence. Exactly. And and I think that that's important. And and even though even though I think one of the arguments for identity 
that people say, oh, well, this is a choice. We'll say, right. no, it's not a choice. It's an identity thing that comes from within. It's, it's, it's wiring. It's, it's who you are. One of those arguments is, why would anybody choose this? Yeah. Why would anybody choose to put themselves in the line of fire of discrimination or hatred or bullying or violence if, you know, why would anybody choose that? If it is just a choice. You know, there is part of that. And so it was also really important for us to also name specifics as far as support, you know, and saying, uh, you know, there are still families out there that, you know, who aren't accepting and that, you know, it is important when you're financially dependent on someone like that, you know, that maybe you do need to wait a little bit, you know, um, we talk about how, you know, there's, you know, thriving communities online where you can go and reach out for support if no one else is at your school. I mean, there's there's ways to help. Um, so, I mean, we are realistic. We understand not everyone's stories, you know, super happy in the beginning or, or whatever. You know, there can be challenges. But, yeah, overwhelming. It's really great to see the shift. And just I really did want to give people a sense of hope who, who watch it that there can be positive outcomes. But it also takes you being part of that process. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to believe that there's something worth fighting for, and you have to believe that there's people out there and organizations and, and you name it out there that are rooting for you. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is especially poignant stuff uh, considering um, trans women in the video games industry. Rachel Brake recently was bullied to the point where she committed suicide, and that's something that I wanted to bring up on the podcast, you know, regardless of, like, who our guest was. It's just, it's so disgusting to me that, like, uh, online culture and troll culture can have that much of an impact on someone, you know, mm -hmm. to where, like, you think a harmless comment, like, oh, go jump off a bridge isn't going to do anything until someone actually does until it. Until it's the... Thousand and one time, thousand yeah. and first time that they've yeah. heard that, and they decided that's their really only recourse to. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really unfortunate, and you know, it's a really compl complex situation when it comes to suicide. Um, I mean, there's two things that really go into it. There's stressors, which means like over time, someone's capacity mm -hmm. to just be supported enough to handle all of what's happening, you know, and in our society, there's such a stigma with reaching out for support. Certainly. We keep saying, no, you need to be independent, do this on your own and look at you, you're, you know, badass, single mom, like, no, like it's okay to reach out for support. Actually, it's, it's encouraged I mean mm -hmm. and then when I share my story and talk about how when I would reach out for support and everything people saw strength in that it's like so if you see strength in my story when I was reaching out for support then that needs to also be the template for other folks right. um, and the other part is, is mental health so that means you know if they already have something going on like depression anxiety bipolar disorder and it's you know it's not being treated in some way that works for them I mean those are really the two factors that go into suicide mm -hmm. Yeah. So it can be one or the other, you know, it could, it could be, it could be both, but it's just, it's so complex. So it's unfortunate. And, you know, I wonder if a lot of folks who do go on and, and troll, as you said, if it's just easier for them to do that because they can hide behind oh, totally. being anonymous totally. and say whatever they want and just really just not coming from a place obviously of you know understanding or empathy or anything like that i mean i have to tell you and this is going to sound kind of bizarre probably for folks um but we had our first hate mail i want to say for like our video and i got actually really excited i was like oh great that means we're like doing really well we're reaching people people are shitting on it that means people actually 
you know, you're, you're, you're <laughs> yeah. evoking a response. No, so. so I mean, you know, it was, it was a comment meant to be on our blog and, you know, I personally, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I believe in freedom of speech. Sure. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like people don't need to see things like that. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to approve of it, but it, it was exciting for me because, you know, if, if we're reaching folks like that, hopefully again, some of them can come from a place of just being open and again, like I said, nowhere in the video did we try to say, like, yes, no, whatever. It's just, again, we were telling stories. I mean, mm-hmm. we are very, very, very supportive of the LGBTQ community at Teen Line. Um, I mean, it's definitely in our training with the teens. We make sure that they understand, like, you keep mentioning intersexuality, or, like, how things can, yeah, like, all these different things can happen at the same time. So, I mean, they're mm-hmm. trained on it, but yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's unfortunate there's just some people out there that really just have to go out of their way to like, try to bring someone else down. Well, imagine what yeah. struggle they've got. Imagine yeah. what, what how, how powerless they feel, that they feel they have to inflict that form of vitriol on other people in an anonymous fashion. Right. Exactly. But getting back to, you know, what you brought up about somebody choosing, you know, certain identities sure, that, sure. you know, are a bit harder to maintain. Like, why would someone choose to not only be a woman in the games industry, which has a long history of misogyny, but also be a trans woman in the games industry. Yeah, Brianna Wu, that's another person who comes to mind. Yeah. uh, uh, um, uh, Anita Sarkeesian has been getting a lot of hate. Yeah. Which is, it's so ridiculous. Even, um, oh my God. uh, Who's the the actress, Geek and Sundry, um, I know who you're talking about. Felicia Day. Felicia Day. Felicia Day. <laughs> the stuff with, you know, she, oh, yeah, could, they doxed she, her. she couldn't go outside mm-hmm. for several months. Well, what's interesting is um, Felicia Day, you know, big personality. She spoke out against Gamergate. Chris Cluey also yeah. spoke out against yeah. Gamergate, and he dared them to fucking dox him and, you know, put his shit on the internet. Nobody touched him. Right. So it just goes to show, like, yeah. this isn't about games or people speaking out about games. It's specifically like, no, we gamers hate women. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. To me, there's two choices that I make in relation to all of this. The first choice is just to be authentic. I've decided that that's really important for me and my health and my overall well-being. So that's the choice, is I could deny this, I could suppress this, and I can have probably a very negative outcome, right? Statistics will show that. Or I can just make the choice of embracing my identities Mm -hmm. um, and my uniqueness. And the other choice also is whether or not I decide I want to share that with people because I don't have to. Like early on in the community when I was first, you know, getting my feet wet and and understanding everything, I would get really mad when people weren't like activists, when they weren't out, and because and, I thought it was such a missed opportunity. But I've made peace with that, and you know, I've matured and everything, and, and now I come from a place of, you know, I want people to just feel comfortable coming out if they choose to do that. That's mm-hmm, cool. Mm-hmm. Everyone has personal reasons. Sure. I mean, it, it is a very personal thing when you get down to it. So, you know, if someone decides to disclose that or not, I'm not going to let that impact how I feel about them because, you know, everyone has that choice. So even like, you know, when Ellen came out initially or, or whatever, or, or like, you know, now she, she does so much for the community and then some, right. Mm-hmm. You know, but I would get frustrated because I felt like, Oh, she's not doing it. No, she does plenty. And again, like, coming back to like what I was talking about earlier if I can if I can just give someone the 
I don't know, the inspiration to, to come out or whatever, just by being authentic and not even necessarily going and doing speaking gigs and all that. If people are just inspired by me just living, mm-hmm. like that's enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's enough. You were saying that people have come up to you and yeah. expressed that. And yeah. that's even if it's one person, how gratifying I, is that? I mean, how, how validating is that? I mean, that's, that's great. That's, that's great. the best thing. But I, I fight because I want people to have the option of whether or not they want to come out. Sure. Mm-hmm. I want well, to I mean, feel that freedom. As we've been talking about, coming out or, or, or that, that area where there actually is a choice. I mean, you're putting yourself in the line of fire for hatred or, or for but both, but who knows if that one individual has the energy or the, or the intestinal fortitude to be able to do that, to be able to mm-hmm. cope with a day to day of being able to do that. So some people choose to come out, choose not to come out. But again, it's all about choice and it's all about choosing to be happy or not and and their struggle is their struggle and that has to be totally. validated too no and it's then coming even back to the allies thing that's why i wholeheartedly feel that um our, our even our community alphabet soup whatever queer mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it we still need to get it together as well because like sure. i said there's still se- separation oh, yeah, there's, there's still like you know there's there's plenty of people that feel like the t shouldn't be in the acronym at all they're like mm-hmm. oh that's a different thing that's different from sexuality you don't relate to us. You you need to fight for your own rights. All like that Sex. happens. But we all deal with sexuality and gender identity on a daily basis, regardless of whoever you are. Exactly. As a I male, mean. as a as a female, as a cis exactly. person, as a, you know, whatever. We all deal with. We all are are something. We all are something, and this collection of of identities. And we all have to deal with that. And so, of course, tea has to be in there. But people don't understand that because more often than not, when I go into a space, people don't even know the difference between gender and sexuality. Oh, yeah. So, like, having to go there and do gender and sexuality 101, and it's fine. I mean, if that's where people are at, I'm happy to meet them there. But there's still a lot of confusion around that. Like, what do you mean I can have a different gender identity than, like, genitalia and all that? Like, doesn't it all go in, like, a, you know, a straight line? Like, no. I mean, there's different tools now. There's so many different tools out there. Um, Like, Dr. Joe Olson out of the children's... um, hospital in LA she's developed this gender abacus and there's four rungs on it so you have you know biological sex which means whatever the doctors assign you based on certain genitalia or chromosomes or whatever right you have you have your gender identity which is really just your internal sense of the gender you feel you have you have gender expression which is how you choose to express it so like you can still be a woman but you can also be a tomboy right sure um sure and not necessarily a lesbian i mean how many exactly how many straight girls did we grow up with who were quote-unquote tomboys who were out there rough and tumbling playing with the boys wearing jeans all the time and, and hiking boots and blah blah that was definitely exactly. me as a kid sure and <laughs> and you know but then there's sexual attraction, right? And there's romantic attraction. There's all these different things, and they're all different. And sure. and I challenge people when I show them the different tools. I'm like, you know, if if all of you plot yourself on here, I bet it would be more diverse than you think. Right? Yeah. Because gender and sexuality, all that's way more complex than we give it credit for. Sure. Way sure. more. It's more than pink and blue. It's yeah. it's more than all that. It's more than body parts. It's really complex. And so, and being okay with that, it doesn't have to be in a neat little line. Right. But it confuses people. Like, right. for example, I, I think that some folks worry, you know, if I'm attracted to you, what does that mean about me? And it's like, nothing. Like, you're just, <laughs> you're attracted to me. Congratulations. I don't know. Like, well, I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of phobia for a lot of people comes into play. A yeah. lot of, a lot yeah. of the reason people act out is because they're afraid of what they're feeling. They're afraid of their own feelings and they're afraid of their own 
attractions or whatever. It's that whole that old saying of of a lot of people who are quote unquote homophobic are just afraid that dicks might be delicious, and and <laughs> you know and that and I find that that's really really true. Yeah. And, I mean, every single Republican scandal as of late has been oh, like gosh. homophobic, you know, pastor found, you know, sexting teen boys or like on grinder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. If, if you ever wanted a good time, um, <laughs> well, let me rephrase that. If you're ever <laughs> intrigued by that, wait until there's like a, you know, uh, a Republican uh, convention somewhere and look at Craigslist under, <laughs> under like casual encounters. Oh my God. The gay Republicans that come out on there cruising and everything i'm like yeah, yeah. i just want like the lesbian or girl version of grinder to be called urban poon <laughs> like that's all i want <laughs> yeah even as a as a straight cis white male as i fond of saying mm-hmm. i guess i'm I don't know, maybe flag waving at this point <laughs> <laughs> no um, but i, I think it's important for, you know that you're you're doing something that's amazing because there's not many you know, cis white males that are willing to own up to like their privilege and, and their identities. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So I appreciate that's one been one of the like most refreshing things about talking to you is that I mean you're really it, you're really I, I don't mean it in a judgmental way, but I want I want to use like the word evolve. You're really evolved because you're just so open to things, you know, and that's refreshing. A lot of other folks that I'll work with are just like, oh, you know, <laughs> like walls are up, but like you're just willing to go there and it's amazing thank you it's thank you that's an incredibly validating thing for you to say it's something that i've i've struggled to maintain throughout my life and wow i'm getting a little emotional here um <laughs> yay feels um, <laughs> no but like you helped create a safe space for me so yeah like even like when we were talking about setting this up and maybe how much i didn't know what it meant what it would entail what i would share what you wanted me to share but i mean you just made it such a great experience and i, I really appreciate that because it could have easily been all about do you want a penis what kind of penis do you want are you gonna go to thailand do you you know who's attracted to all these like and you didn't go there you were just more more, more focused on me as a person and honestly that's all i ever want yeah. it's like just look at me as a person impress yeah. and that's it yeah yeah even as a little kid i used to get made fun of for crossing my legs in class mm-hmm. i there i when i went to my high school reunion i showed up with my wife and my first wife and um People were like, I thought you were gay. I'm like, no, I just, I guess in some degrees I'm fluid in some, and I don't really know, I don't have a lot of experience with a lot of the terminology that's become more surfaced Mm -hmm. in the last several, you know, 10 years or so. So I don't know if I'm considering myself somewhat gender fluid or somewhat sexually fluid and heteroflexible <laughs> heteroflexible <laughs> Danny my wife just <laughs> my current That's wife perfect. just I, I I have a I have a favorite phrase that I tell people that said oh yeah I, I'm I'm a bit gay just ask both of my wives <laughs> they'll they'll tell you <laughs> she just put str8 question mark on her iPad and held it straight. up you know and and or it was like Greg Proop says it's like I'm straight but I make no case for it but I got a, I got I got made fun of for, as a kid for wanting to wear purple or, or crossing my legs or, or doing certain things with my hands or um, affecting... And a lot of people don't understand that sometimes I'll affect a lisp in my speech not to be 
flamboyant, like a like right. a gay thing. It's more for me. That's more Midwestern housewife voice. <laughs> that's my Midwestern housewife voice. I do have a lot of different. I mean, my head's a mess, but I have a lot of voices <laughs> and things going on inside of my head all the time. But I never felt. I was always on the playground playing Chinese jump rope and and mm-hmm. hopscotch, and mm-hmm. the boys were always playing. Football and, and I just give, give, yeah. give a shit about any of that. Well, gender right. as a binary is so confining. Yes. You know, and it's such yeah. a cage. And like, I'm just waiting for people to, well, you know, more people, as in everyone, to understand that gender is a spectrum. It's not one or the other, right. you know? Right. But, you yeah. know, like me, like, yeah, heteroflexible sounds like a great, a, a good, <laughs> a good, you know, whatever. But that's term. the best part and, is that you can. You can define yourself or not define yourself however you choose. And even if you had, let's say, 50 lesbians in a room, awesome mm-hmm. party, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they would all identify them. differently. And it also comes back to the intersectionality because how are they raised? Are there, you know, culturally things that are passed on to them that they believe in? Right. You know, what's are they their butch? ethnicity? Are they femme? Are they what, neither? What are age they... are they? Right. Yeah, because, you know, even the term queer in our community, there's, you know, I want to say at least two camps. There's the camp where, you know, newer, younger generations are saying, no, this is empowering. This is, this is an inclusive term da, 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 and it has different definitions but then there's older generations that say no you did not want to be called that in, in my you right, know, childhood right. in yeah, my day yeah, yeah. that's, I'm, a, I'm that's still offensive to right. some people but mm-hmm. not to others that queer is a is a, is yes. a term that's been taken back by younger generations but the older generations it's like don't call me queer don't call me queen don't call me any of those exactly. things don't call me fruit don't call me fairy don't call me right and here's the point where Michael lists all of the derog- traditionally derogatory terms for homosexuality but um, I still but want to say be that. called unicorn Unicorn. unicorn. I want to be a unicorn. We're yeah. going to start a unicorn movement right here on this podcast. You're hearing it now. Join us. Um, but, there, but there's going back to the hetero flexible thing. It's like it's like, but I like titties and I like vaginas and and that's what I you know. But but there's things about me that are decidedly girly. I mean, and I suppose at one point it was considered metrosexual, but that was kind of a thing that came and went. But but I used to kind of. I mean, I like painting my nails. I like wearing nail polish. When You're I, really good at painting nails too, because cool. you've painted mine. Yeah, I have. <laughs> See, and that's awesome because I mean, there's just a fluidity with it, and that's why I feel I like, like I like if, makeup. If I could get away with mm-hmm. wearing makeup, I'd do you it. Can. You I can. Totally should. But at the job I have, there's no way. There's just no way that would be accepted. And but it's not important enough to me to do it on a daily day basis, right. to where I don't feel like I'm being oppressed, to where I don't. I don't feel I need to take that next step in order to do that because I just don't want to deal with it. I'm okay playing dressing up and playing straight white dude at work. I'm okay with with with, with doing that. With, with basically dressing in drag for me. Well, it's, right. I've, no, I've and it's a performance. S- yeah, I've got to say, in terms of uh, safe spaces, shout out to the goth scene again. Oh yeah, know? yeah. Because that's a place where dudes can wear makeup, and it's just Tuesday. The '90s, Trent Reznor and the guys from Love and Rockets with their skirts and their fishnets and their Hot. lipstick and their and their uh, mm-hmm. nail polish loved it. Hey, yeah. even our government, they were wearing wigs and heels. Let's talk Hello. about that. Hello, <laughs> who wore it Hello. first? Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like all of this is just a social construct. And so, I mean, it used to be that, you know, men were supposed to wear uh, pink. And oh, that yeah. was because it came from red and they considered that to be a strong color. Right, and then right. it flipped the script. Mm-hmm. You know? right, right. So we're constantly defining it. So, yeah. However people identify, even if they identify as lesbian, whatever, you know, and just just being able to identify and say what that means to them. Sure. And so whenever, you know, I'm sharing my identity 
any whatever my identity is, I make sure to you know tell people if they're open to it, and this is what it means to me because I have a different definition. Sure, like mm-hmm. to me, like you were talking about the binary, I just can't fit myself into the binary. It just doesn't work for me. I've mm-hmm. tried, yeah. you know, yeah. I tried. Uh, my family tried certainly, <laughs> right, reinforcing the the stereotypes and all that, but it just didn't work for me. So you know that it's okay. I can be non-binary and I can decide however I'm going to express my gender. You know, when I go and I speak to schools or, or whatever or people. I, I tell them, like, gentle reminder, all of you decided how you were going to wear your gender today, how you right. were going to express it, right. the, yeah. your hairstyles, you know, the cut of your clothes, the colors you're wearing. I mean, and goodness. And one of the things I also want to commend you on is that, you know, I was in a, I was at this, this internship and I was working with this guy and we had to, as interns, you know, we don't usually get our own office and all that, right? Mm-hmm. So we all were trying to make this one office work. It was all the interns. There was, like, I don't know, stickers of, like, butterflies or, or whatever on this trash can. And this guy was, like, so uncomfortable. He's like, I don't want those <laughs> butterfly stickers on that trash can. So I looked at him. I was so happy with myself for this. I was like, I'm comfortable enough in my masculinity that that doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> there are just stickers on a trash can. Yes. I'm tr- yeah. Like, he was just so uncomfortable. I was like, well, I'm not coming out to you. I mean, I did later. And I was able to explain to him how, like, comments like that made it so it didn't seem like it was safe to come out to him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now he's cool and, you know, he's he's cool with me and all that. We're friends. But, yeah, it's just like, wow, it's just, they're just stickers. It doesn't have to mean anything. It's like, maybe he put this on there. I I, I got this (laughs) just fabo bomb-ass pair of uh, Wonder Woman Chucks. Uh, a couple weekends ago and I wore them to I wore them to work last Friday and and I have this new boss and he was just like I don't know about that why why Wonder Woman I said why not Wonder Woman Wonder Woman's fucking amazing there you go and boom I like it that's why that's why I'm wearing size 13 chucks with Wonder Woman on them because Wonder Woman's fucking awesome that's why And, and, and I was not really in his face but definitely not you being just, not being allowed to be pushed back. Yeah, at all. you yeah. set your boundaries. I set the boundaries. I drew that line, and I stood on that line, and I said, "Because I like it, and that's why." And I'm that guy at work. Would be proud. I'm that. Yes, yeah, she would. I'm that guy at work who will point out when somebody makes a sexist or a racist mm-hmm. or a whateverist comment. I will be that guy who gets in the conversation at lunch and says. Be, you know, sexuality, blah blah blah, is not a choice. Yeah. It's 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 a thing. It's wiring. It's brain wiring. Blah blah blah, and and. I'm that guy who who people at work come out to, which is great. Mm-hmm. And and That's like my friend, my friend I work with who has the concierge service for trans women. She, I was the first person she told. She said, "Well, I'm working on this project," and blah blah blah. And then so I just start. I'm very just like this is who I am. Fuck all y'all. And and mm-hmm. the, I, although you know the point where. I'm not at the point where, where I work where it's just too much of a hassle to you know wear nail polish. So I had my toenails painted though, but um, <laughs> but I had a job a couple jobs ago where I could do that, where I was wearing you know coordinating all my colors and had matching nail polish and was kind of doing stuff with my hair and blah blah blah. And I had that job for a while, and people are like, "So are you metrosexual or what?" And I'm like, "No, I'm just me. I'm just you know I'm <laughs> I'm me, and that's it. This is what I like. This is what I like to do." And and some days I wouldn't, some days I wouldn't, but I was in a phase where that's just how I wanted to do it and how I wanted to roll. And, and I've kind of always been that way. And I always, you know, like I said, going back to Rocky Horror Picture Show, I played Frankenfurter for two and a half years and I was at, at a theater in Denver. And um, that was just some of the best time of my life. Of, of And I felt so p- empowered putting on makeup and 
putting on the which really considering is not the greatest drag of the world but you know the the rocky horror drag and and you know wearing fishnets and garters and high heels and just feeling like a boss and and that's just what i did and i've got pictures and i show people and they're like oh my god and i'm like so that's part of who I am. See, and it's awesome because, like, I know even, like, I never made it to one, but so many of my friends were very interested in Rocky Horror and going mm-hmm. to all the screenings and everything. And it's like, it always sounded like such an awesome, you know, safe, embracing community. And that's what mm-hmm. I want to get people toward is, like, yeah. I don't think it's enough to tolerate folks. We teach right. tolerance. I don't think it's enough to even teach acceptance. I want us to be embracing and ultimately celebrating each other and our differences and learning from that and And ultimately where we're just all dealing with each other based on behavior yeah that's it we're dealing with each other as individuals like are you a good person are Are you are you being nice are you being nice and supportive or are you not and and dealing with people on an individual basis based on their behavior where we get past looks where we get past Anything that's just inherent about somebody and and deal with people, and that's just part of everybody. Yeah. One thing that we've kind of been tap dancing around is how empowering clothing and fashion and all of those choices can be. You know, like certainly I feel different wearing my utility belt in a blank tech. black tank top (laughs) than I do wearing like a skirt and heels. You know, like there's definitely um, something to be said of like. Uh, costuming, you know, and yeah. and yeah. not just in a theatrical sense, but you know, when you go outside, like I wear a utility belt because it makes me feel strong, or I wear a long blowing flax black skirt because it makes me feel pretty. Like, you know, people don't think about how clothing makes them feel, or how you know, like makeup makes them feel, or how you know something like nail polish will make mm-hmm. them feel. Mm-hmm. And it's it's more than just a simple fashion choice. It's about being comfortable it's about body positivity it's about mm-hmm. self-love like there's so much of that you know just um thrown into these everyday little choices exactly like i remember how important it was for me to be able to just to decide whatever i wanted and mm-hmm. for me i would always wear like or I would try to wear like baggy clothing and stuff because i was always trying to hide my chest mm-hmm. and that really was one of the, like the first signs that i just wasn't aware of you know my grandma would chase me around the house going you know you need to sit up straight why are you always hiding your chest i didn't have an answer for her i just knew i didn't identify with my chest Mm -hmm. so i mean you know i've found ways around it i mean there's things like binders that help like compress you know the chest so it appears more flat all that stuff but yeah just how i wanted to wear my clothing it's interesting like my my latest journey that i'm sort of trying to awkwardly dive into is I present a lot more masculine now. A lot of it has been because of safety reasons and also because it's just an experience I didn't have before. I'm like, this is fun. I have a beard. Like, I can do (laughs) things with it. You know, it's coming in nicely. Um, And so what happened was, is when I started school, when I was getting my bachelor's and going to grad school, that whole time I said, I'm going to put gender performance sort of to the side, meaning as far as how I want to express myself. I'm going to put that on the side for now and just go a little bit more masculine just for now. And so, well, I graduated a year ago, you know, and now as I'm, you know, off in the real world, so to speak, now I'm like, well, crap, now I put that on the back burner, but now it's something I need to revisit. So it's like, how do I want to convey my gender? And it's hard because like you were saying, 
Um, I've been very, very fortunate that my first job out of school um, in social work, you know, has been accepting, has been using my they, them, their pronouns. Sure. They, they created a position for me because they thought it was awesome that I have so much experience in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they do call me Chris and, and, you know, they're proud that I'm trans and everything, but that's not always the experience. You know, and, and now I'm so out and everything that, you know, I have to be careful also to a degree because, you know, when uh, looking at, like right now I'm looking for a new position, you know, um, and I have to be careful because like, what if people Google me, you know, and I don't want to be somewhere that's like homophobic or transphobic, but I also mm-hmm. need a roof over my head, you know, like there's sure. things I have to think about. Sure. And so now that I'm, I'm branching off more and more into the world, I have my first apartment and all that, I mean... Gosh, the, one, the first landlord I went to about renting out a unit found out that I was trans, accidentally sent me an email meant for someone else making fun of me and calling me it. Whoa. Mm. And I was like, what? Is, what That's a what? lawsuit like, waiting to happen. Well, you know, and, and she was asking all these illegal questions like, what's your gender? What's your sexual orientation? I'm just trying to understand. Da, da, da. <laughs> and like, I knew it was illegal, you know, here in the state of California. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to entertain her because I was going to have to live on the same property as her, although in different, you know, units and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it like, gosh, I just, I cried. I cried. I was so devastated again. It brought up all the stuff from Cal State Long Beach mm, and when the guy, mm. you know, in, in the car and, you know, and I was just like, oh my God, is this my life? Like, I was just so sheltered and all that when I was in school and when that family adopted me, like, I forgot for a minute about what it is like going out on your own. So, like, every step I take, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, you know, because, um, like, a team line, the second interview, they're like, well, what are your deal breakers? You know, and I was able to tell them, I want to be somewhere where I can be out as trans. Like, it's important for me for visibility, not for my own ego, but so other people to know that it's possible. You know, but yeah, like, now these, you know, these interviews I have going on right now, like, I, I don't know. Some of them, it's like they want someone who's trans, which is great, you know, but then others, it's like, when do I come out to them? Do I come out to them? Do I go back in the closet? Like, I don't think that's possible. So, <laughs> I mean, these are all things I have to think about right now. Sure. And it's it's challenging. So... I'm, again, just trying to just jump out into the unknown and just go with it and hope that, uh, you know, the, the right things will You're going to land along. in a safe space. Yeah. 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 And if not, then maybe it's important that I create that safe space, but it's just something that I sort of tipped around is that um, it gets exhausting sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just want to be Chris, you know, like as a social worker, I have the capacity of wearing all these different hats, but sometimes I just want to be Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to worry about being activist Chris or, you know, yeah. trans Chris or this Chris or that. Like, I just it's want also, to be Chris. It's also like, it shouldn't be your job to hold everyone's hand exactly. and be like their trans babysitter or their ally sure, babysitter sure, or sure. their genderqueer babysitter. Yeah, you know? I mean, I feel that way at work sometimes yeah, too. Yeah, I, being I, I get all that the way about yeah. being people's like feminist babysitter or their people of color babysitter, you know, and it's just like, like, it does get exhausting. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've also been able to come to places in my life where I've realized that, you know, part of an ego would develop because it's like, well, if I'm not doing this, who else will, you know? But then mm-hmm. there's there's times when self-care is important. And yeah. so I've come to really value that. And, um, yeah, so I, I have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself first and foremost. And if I'm not safe and all that, then I'm not going to be good to anyone else. So right. I need to address that first well, before I can go be... Gonna, yeah. Yeah. How are you going to help the movement if you're not first taken care of? Like, you have to keep a roof over your head. You have exactly. to keep food on your table. And then you can go save everyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard. you gotta have you got to have a phone booth to change into your costume to, to go, <laughs> you know... 
<laughs> yes, I mean, that's just, that's the next phase of my life is, like you said, transitions. Like, socially and legally and all that, I have to decide, like, how important is it for me to be out, um, you know, like, where I'm living, all that kind of stuff. I have to think about it because even right now, although we do luckily have all these laws and protections in the state of California um, for housing and, and employment and all that, it's still really easy for me to apply somewhere. They do a background check. My birth name is going to follow me for the rest of my life. Sure, sure, sure. And it's really easy to look at that and look at my current name and then start putting things together and, like, what's on my resume is very clear, <laughs> you know? So it's like to put all that together and just just simply say, oh, well, we found someone more qualified, mm -hmm. you know, like how would I even fight that or even know yeah. necessarily. Yeah. So these are just, these are all things I have to think about. Yeah. And, um, but luckily the difference now is that in my life, I'm in a place where I know my support systems. Mm -hmm. And again, I know that I love myself and all that. So, and I kind of know what to do if, you know, X, Y, Z thing happens. So it's just being mindful of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's probably a good thing to a certain degree, at least it might help somewhat being in a coastal environment where, you know, where attitudes tend to be a little bit more mm -hmm. I think relaxed. it's privilege in itself because Certainly. there's there's two parts of me. There's parts that wants to go out into the South and just share my story and help with that. I know it can sure. be, you know, atrocious there. But then there's other parts of me too where it's like... I'm exhausted. I've been fighting for a long time and certainly other people have done this way longer than I and everything. But again, with self care, like sometimes I have to think there's gotta be somewhere where like quality of life could be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we tend to think that California can be so free spirited and so forward thinking and all that, but there is still the Hollywood mentality and all that out here. Oh, and yeah. There's plenty of stuff I still have to, oh, yeah. to work with. So, um, well, even, even the liberal community has its, stumbling blocks yeah, has its, its its problems with lookism and ageism and totally. and you know even even transism and you know other other transphobia other things too so right. although transphobia seems to in the media be progressing or you know diminishing to a degree so that uh, that's at least helpful but yeah it just it boggles my mind that there are still states where you can be fired simply for being gay Right, like that's and, insane. Or they that's can absolutely, or insane. you don't even have to be gay. They can assume that you're gay, mm -hmm. right. or think that you're gay, right. and that's enough for grounds. And that goes with housing. I mean, there's so many mm -hmm. areas, oh, yeah. and it's just yeah. that's why, for part of me, it's like okay, it's really exciting that marriage equality is like, you know, coming across the board because it's like great, like because to me, I mean, that that helps with like immigration and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. like. To me, if I can't even keep a roof over my head, if I can't even keep a job to keep that roof over my head and stuff, then why am I even going to be interested in marriage? Because right. I need those other things in place before I can even be sure, thinking about sure. that. Right. That's just me. Right. So it's like from a safety point of view, you know, like in healthcare, not being discriminated against right. or not right. feeling to be made less than or, or stuff like that. So it's like now we can finally start working on that stuff, hopefully, right. coming up. Right. And I'm excited for that because... If we can get the marriage equality thing out of the way, that, again, that's another big right. foot in the door mm -hmm. of opening the well, door and that was the most things. sexy thing, right? right. That was right. the most right. sexy, marketable <laughs> thing because straight folks, whatever, can be like, oh yeah, I, I could see if I wasn't able to marry my person what that might be like, you know? So I get it. But it's like, great, can we just, can we be done with this already? Yeah. So yeah. again, for me, the yeah. things that are more pressing can yeah. be addressed. Yeah. Um, I know that a couple of my trans friends are struggling with insurance in terms of getting certain surgeries done, you know, and insurance comes back to them and says, this isn't medically necessary. And it's like, oh, yeah. how do you say that to someone who's like, but it is like, this is incorrect, you know? So like, that's one of the things that, 
you know, I feel is the bigger medical um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was really lucky in my medical transition. Uh, I had that same family basically loan me the money because mm. insurance wasn't going to wow. cover it. Right. I mean, what's really great is that the insurance through USC, because as a grad student, we were required to have health care and health insurance, rather. Um, after I'd already had, like, whatever, you know, then they're like, oh, we're going to start doing these surgeries. And I was like, son of a bitch, every time, <laughs> like, they do it after. Like, yeah. I've already, like, done this thing. Um, but, yeah, certainly with some parts of it, when I was having complications and everything, insurance kept denying it because mm-hmm. they were like, this is cosmetic. And I'm like, it's not. They need to finish the job. I mean, if right. there's been problems, there's been infections or whatever, there's something happening. And to me, that's not cosmetic. That's an extension Mm -hmm. of the first surgery that should have gone well you know so it's it's been really frustrating um but it's like i again there's as you can hear like and sharing some of my story with you today like there's just so many battles i have to Mm -hmm. be very careful and and pick and choose i mean you only have a finite amount of energy Mm -hmm. and you need to you need to you need to have a roof over your head and food in your mouth and you need to be able to live day to day sometimes you have to put the you know the the superhero bit on hold to be able to do to make those choices to be able to just survive exactly Mm -hmm. so So it's it's hard it's challenging but i'm able to make peace with it because again it all just circles back to to Mm self-care so yeah i would love to take that lady to court you know but i i went about it in my own way aclu was freaking awesome Mm -hmm. and wrote a letter on my behalf scared the shit out of her (laughs) and i don't think she'll make that same mistake again and for me that was enough yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, that was enough. I could have taken her to court. I just didn't see how it was going to benefit either of us because of the way it was starting to Did you out. wind up staying there? Um, at that, at no, no, that, no, oh, no. Oh. So, I mean, it was just like, just, just trying to even consider living oh, there right, okay. and mm-hmm. all that was happening. And then so I was going to say, if you did wind up living there, boy, she oh, God, probably no. never would have, would have oh, fucked man, no, with you that, at all yeah. in any degree. That, I was not going to go that route. Yeah, and yeah. then there was another place where... I mean, I have an awesome credit score. I do. Mm-hmm. I've worked really hard on it. And so there's, they can't ding me for that. So there was a second place that tried to discriminate against me, and I just said, this isn't even worth my time. And they went about it a, a weird way. The manager called me back and goes, so we got your, your credit report. And I'm like, uh-huh. Was there a different name that you went by? Yes. Oh, what was the name? Well, I put that on the application, so you already have that information. Oh, but, but, but can you just tell me what was the name? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign elsewhere, thanks. And I hung up. Um, and that'll happen to me too. Like even right now there's like jobs and stuff where I'm having to fill out the paperwork and they'll ask me, have you gone by any other names? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. man, that's just, sometimes I get it because it's like, are you trying to hide from something like debt, whatever, you know, but like it, it's, it's awful for me again, because they're going to see the birth name and it's like, I don't want it to be a missed opportunity just because some person was transphobic or whatever, Right, Mm -hmm. right? you know? Or, you know, people would be really funny and be like, oh, gosh, you know, you're a guy named, you know, and then the birth name. And I'm like, ah, no, you know, that's cute that you think that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Well, having you here and having you share your story and, and talk about all the positive things that you do has been really inspiring. And, and Thank you. This, this has been a, a, like I said, I got a bit emotional earlier here being, hearing you validate having created a safe space for you it's very important to me to be perceived that way so um so thank you for that and and having this has been one of the best podcasts we've done and and i've said that before but i'm so thrilled that we got to be able to do this and talk talk meet with you and talk with you and and uh I, i just 
Godspeed to you and, and <laughs> everything. I, I just I I want all the good things in the world for you to you. to just I appreciate that. Yeah. Be able to get through and and get back to to saving lives and changing lives. And thank that's you. Wonderful. So no, yeah, just thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure uh, meeting both of you and being yeah. here. So thank you for being open to so, it. And- Tell us where people can find you and your work online. To, uh, you know, um. yeah. So um, you know, if you're interested in the video I was mentioning earlier, again, it's with Teen Line. It's www.teenlineonline.org, and it'll be under the blog, where you can also check the video section. Um, if you're interested in connecting with me, I'm at chrisangelmurphy.com, so C-H-R-I-S-A-N-G-E-L-M-U-R-P-H-Y.com. Not right. to be confused with certain folks who do magic. <laughs> um, different spelling. You do different, different spelling. magic in your Doing own Doing different way, magic. So Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any, do you have any online accounts, or, or is that more personal? Yeah, or? you can just find me on that website. Cool. Great. ChrisAngelMurphy.com website. There's ways to connect with me on there. Great. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> entirely. Yeah. Um, you can find me, Kitty Brown, at kittybrowndesigns.com. I'm also on Twitter as Kitty Brown, and you can find me on Facebook as Kitty Brown. And I recently just started a media, nerdery, feminism, Tumblr blog. Um, so that's lipstickandrayguns.tumblr.com. Um, so check it out. It's mostly, for now, just me gushing about Mad Max, but still go check it out. <laughs> Is that one word? Lipstick and ray guns? Yeah. L-I-P-S-T-I-C-K and then the word A-N-D and then ray guns. Cool. Dot cool. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And I also wanted to stop and point out, we didn't get to it earlier, but uh, Kitty is now the other official half of the Something Something Experience podcast. Ooh. So stoked. Yeah. So <laughs> this is going to be a two-person show with guests mm-hmm. going forward. And uh, very proud and happy to, to have you on board. So thank you. Love yeah. you and all of, all of the things. Aww. So uh, a lot of feels going on today. This is great. <laughs> so uh, I'm at St. Michael on Twitter. That's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L. You can find us as something2xp. That's the number two. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog and listen to past episodes. Get the numbers up on WordPress. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. Yay! Yay, we can be loud now. (laughs) The Something Something Experience podcast was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. This week's co-host was Kitty Brown. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. You can find us everywhere online at Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, WordPress, and YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.